Hi everybody, how's it going? This is Christian with Liberty After Dark. Uh, today we're going to be doing episode two, Conversations with Dan, part two. Uh, fantastic conversation with Dan about the non-aggression principle mostly. Lots of interaction with the live uh, live stream comments. So uh, lots of really good stuff here said. Stick around to the end for some uh, last minute commentary and some notes on the show. Other than that, please enjoy. Um, so Scott, Skyler here just to address his comments. He's kind of had a string of them and you know, we've been on this discussion, yeah. so I didn't want to derail us, but this is kind of relevant. Yeah. He says a right is only real so long as you can defend it. And at some level it becomes an act of aggression. Men will always, uh, take them otherwise. So that's, that's the whole reason why I think the nap is so important. Um, because the, the non-aggression principle is, is, is in some extent, a misleading name but it, the primary principle just for anybody who isn't aware because we do have like nine to ten people here i hope you all are aware but just in case you're not um the fundamental principle is if if there has been no aggression done to you you should not initiate any use of force or aggression um and this the nap also facilitates you using a, a appropriately measured response to aggression against you so if someone comes at you you know uh, with a knife or something, you should be able to defend your life against them. If someone, you know, angrily yells at you, you're going to have a lot harder time of why you just blew them away with your fully automatic shotgun. You know, I mean, you have to use a measured response to the force that's applied. So, yes, I will I will say that if, if you defend your rights at some point, you will have to initiate some kind of active aggression, I would say. That, that's, that's a fair assessment, but that doesn't mean that it's an immoral use of it. Um, there, there is such thing as, as, uh, a proactive defense, right? Um, so if you can justify yourself within the nap, uh, I don't, I don't see, I'm not saying that you are poising. This is, is kind of like a, uh, a rebuttal to what we were saying, but you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it would succeed as one if that is what you're trying to do. And I don't want to frame it like that, but. Uh, well, I have a I have a question, and I this is something I've been rolling around in my head for a little while. And one of the things that people say is, uh, once an act of aggression has been committed, and the person who committed that act has uh, ceased committing the act of aggression, do you have the right to seek justice? And and uh, I guess the best example I can think of would be is um, someone. Well, you're not married; you have kids, right? Yeah, no. So so let's say. Uh, um, you you were married and, and you ha and, and your wife was being attacked in her home. You would have every right to stop that person uh, up to and including ending their life. Correct. I mean that would be yeah, a major if, response to attacking your wife. Yeah, exactly. I think that, yeah, I would I would support that as a measured response. But so what what would would be would it be a violation of the NAP if you knew the attacker? And when you showed up, they escaped and went home. Would you? Would it be a violation of the NAP for you to go to their house and uh, assault them up to and including killing them? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say it would be a, a violation of the NAP. Um, so, and to 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 go to go into why, just to make sure that everything is as accurately conveyed here as possible. So the when the altercation is going on, there is is an immediate threat upon someone's life and liberties, right? Um, yeah. 
So let's say, you know, let's say your, your wife was killed in this example. Let's just put it that way. It's a horrible, it's a tragedy. I hate to even, you know, put that scenario out there, but let's just say that's what happened, right? You didn't get there, but you know who did it. He left you a note, put his name on it, put his thumb, everything matches up, you know, it's him. So if, if you were to then go and, and murder him, um, that with, without any, Without him trying to aggress to you first, you couldn't claim that it was a defensive action, right? It, it would be just another, it would be another violent reaction to a violent uh, attack without any uh, napped uh, situation to back yourself up. So you could, in this case, there are a couple ways that it, that it could go down. And, and this is where you, you run onto two lines of thinking, which is why I have to say that it's not a nap violation. Because so or that you're not supported in the nap by doing this is that you either run down this path of where you just go on this like long string of avenge killings of like, ah, he killed my dad and I'm going to go kill him because he killed or my dad killed his wife. And then, Oh, your, your son says, ah, he killed my dad. So now I got to go kill his son because you know, and you go on this huge string of avenge killings and nothing ever happens and then everyone dies and, and no one wants to see that happen. Uh, but if, if we start giving this, this cycle of, well, he wasn't, you know, he was he was aggress outside of a situation where uh, he was being the aggressor. You always open yourself up to that possibility. So what we have to do is we have to say that um, now if you're in a completely lawless region, uh, I, I would hope that you are in some kind of township that would have a nap response uh, to this. But you would you would first prove that the nap was violated. Right. You would say just kind of, kind of similar to how you would call the police, but not, not anywhere near a police force. So I hate making that distinction, but there's, there is a similarity there, right? You, you would, you would make a police report and say like, ah, you know, my property was violated or whatever. And then the investigation would happen. Uh, you would, you would, you would be a part of a township or a region to where they would have a, a, I call it a nap response team essentially to where it could be volunteers or it could be uh, paid security or something like that. But they would be people who exist as a third party to mediate these, uh, separated encounters, right? Because you would have to approach the next situation with the minimum use of force possible, and you would be in a township that would protect your your rights and would could could to an extent issue penalties from it, right? That's how one of the reasons that uh, you would be able to defend your nap is if there's no uh, agreement across the members of of you know the the properties, you you run into a situation where there's nothing you can do. To defend yourself outside of being an aggressor right and then you run into another nap spiral so you need some kind of third party to exist to be a mitigator to that and a perfect example and then i'll, I'll end this is that uh and i'll let you rebuttal if you have one there's a i can't remember what the name of the actual court is but there's a private court it deals with all marine encounters right so let's say you're your ship is stranded out in the middle of the ocean and you put out an sos and a private person comes to pick you up you guys sign an agreement and this contract isn't legally bound by any country. It's just between you and them. And uh, you, you, they tell you back and you say, nope, I'm not going to pay you. OK, so you go to this private mariners court at this point because there is no international law in this region for you to really bring up such an issue like this, too. And they have no judicial authority to like throw you in prison or anything like that. But what they can do is they can ostracize you from they'll put you on a blacklist if you never pay your fee. Right. So the next time you go out in your boat and get stranded, you're on a blacklist that says this guy didn't pay his fees. He doesn't respect the the agreement that we as of, as mariners had signed to, which he signed to in his contract whenever he was picked up or agreed to. 
um, voluntarily and, and, and has lost the right to this service. So you then come up with things like, uh, depending on the, the violation, you can you know uh, ostracize someone from the community. You kick them out of the township. Uh, they've revoked, you know, the right to to their property or whatever based off of the violation. And obviously, you know, it has to be a, an equivalent or a reasonable exchange. So, but I'll go ahead and let you continue. Well, um, the only thing I would uh, say in response to that is uh, you talk about, um, I guess you could call it the uh, um, uh, uh, Hatfield-McCoy effect. As, you know, you say, well... If, if someone were to, you know, kill my wife and then I go kill them, I knew they did it, and, they, and then I go kill them, and then, you know, one of them, one of their family members come and kills me, and, and so on and so forth down the line. Um, uh, and that started, the Hatfield McCoys actually started with, a, I believe it was a pig that was either killed or stolen. It was a violation of property rights to begin with the start of the whole thing. It's about, basically spiraled out of control. But I would argue that if someone were, were was attacking my wife and I were to stop them with lethal force, then that same spiral could happen. Even with all the proof in the world, you could still have that that spiral. And um, I, I I kind of I, you know I I agree with you that if if someone were to, to murder my wife and then go home, that I it would probably not be a good idea to uh, to go and seek them out. But I, I don't know if it's directly a NAP violation for me to go and, 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 and seek justice. Uh, because, and, I, and I'll say this, because if I go to a third party, uh, let's say an arbitrator of some kind, and I present my evidence and they find them guilty and then exacts justice, you can say, well, it, it's just because a third party went and took part in it. But you're still violating their natural rights either way. If I go and kill them immediately, their, their right to, you know, the, the NAP has been violated. And then if uh, some group, whether or not they've contracted to agree to the rules of that group, they're going to deprive them of life and liberty too. And you can say, well, there's contract law. They had to agree to it, so on and so forth. It's, it, you know, would not be a NAP violation, but I don't, I don't know. And, and it, it's, it's kind of a gray area for me. And I I, I hesitate to use the example, but I'll use this example because we've just, I've discussed this with Annalisa before we uh, chatted with her about it. And uh, we talk about if uh, I have two kids, if someone were to touch my kids, I would kill them. I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care in this modern society. If someone were to touch my kids, they would die. Period. End of story. And I don't care if I violated their map or not. You're, you're not going to hurt my kids. And uh, I guess that's the standpoint I come from. Uh, that I don't, I don't, you know, at that point I really wouldn't care if the nap was, if I were violating a nap or not, but I don't think I would be. I don't, I like, I don't, I don't see that. Um, now if I contract other people to do it, like if I go hire a hitman to kill them, I think that would be, a, that would be a nap violation. But if I go and take care of it myself, then I don't think it would be. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, just a, just a kind of just, rebuttal that for a second not, not that i i mean i i think i i am a very emotional person so i mean i think there's a chance just with the dog example i think i there's a very good chance i could have just lost my mind which would have been a horrible decision and probably yeah. would have wound up getting me killed or something 
Um, but you know, I mean, I, trust me, I can understand that there are moments where we just are emotional people and it, the app doesn't matter at that point. Right. People are going to do yeah. things that, um, but what I will say is that, you know, you're, you would be, you know what the nap is, right? So you, you, you understand what the rules are. And if you voluntarily make the choice to break them, you know, you, you are accepting the consequences of, of that decision. Yeah. So, um, you know, I can't tell you, you know, you couldn't do that. Obviously you were well within your faculties as a human being to do whatever you want. You know, you could walk into a park tomorrow and beat someone up if, if you wanted to, but you would be accepting the consequences of that decision. Uh, especially if, if you, interjected yourself into a place where uh you know you already had uh an agreement that you would you would uphold the nap um which is where I, what i would i would hope that most communities were like that uh if okay so ryan here says if you see an innocent person being victimized you violate the victim's nap by not helping them that is that that is not the case uh, i don't agree with that either that's that's that is uh, there's there's nothing I don't think you would be I think if you did help them up to the point of uh, lethal force against their attacker you haven't violated the nap yeah but if you yeah I don't if you don't help them I don't think you've done anything wrong yeah and again this is you know appropriate use of force so you know if it's just like shoving I think you would have a hard time claiming a nap violation if you came up and shot him in the back of the head but you know if someone's getting oh, beaten yeah. within an inch of their life you know and you come up and you defuse the situation from the attacker um, you know we, we but so this is where it's really important that we have to understand that when you're interjecting yourself into the situation between two parties is it you you have to so you have to have the facts you know um, uh -huh. So let's say you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy's pinned to the ground um, and, you know, he's beating this guy up. Well, he could be beating up an assailant, you know, someone who yeah. violated his nap. So this is where you really have and, and this works the same way in modern law. So I don't think this is just an, an, an issue with a, a, the non-aggression principle. You, you, you have to make sure that you're willing to accept the consequences of you being wrong whenever you put yourself in that situation, because if you kill a defender from an assailant and you think that you're trying to protect someone's nap you have it you've you've yeah. killed someone who was protecting their nap that's a nap violation you're just another nap violator um and so a lot of that a lot of that's going to come down to uh, the old benjamin franklin uh, uh ag the axiom uh, mind your business so um if i if i know someone and i see that they're being assaulted i would probably intervene but if I don't know someone and they're being assaulted, I don't know that I would. I mean, I guess it would depend on the severity of the assault. Like, um, you know, I guess the, if someone were on top of the other person beating them to a pulp, maybe I would. But if it was just a shoving match, I think I'm turning the other way and hurrying along. Yeah, and, and you would use, I would hope that if you were to approach that situation, unless there were already like weapons drawn and bullets flying, I would get out of there first off. But um, the you would use the minimum use of force. So if you see a fight, you wouldn't shoot the guy. You'd probably try to pull him off first, you know, unless there was like a weapon involved. Or you would give him the opportunity, like get off the guy. You have the advantage in that situation, you know. Uh, so there, there are opportunities to defuse it instead of just walking up and shooting someone. But so Amy here has a good point. I don't agree. What if I can't be safe when trying to help them? You know, let's say I'm a 120 pound woman and these two six foot five guys are beating the crap out of each other and I don't have a gun. I'm not going to 
put myself in a situation where yeah. I could be assailed like that. That's that's a that's a ridiculous standard to put on people. Not to, and I feel like I'm being super harsh, and I'm I'm sorry. I think I, I'm I could be wording this better, but I just that that's a really important distinction. Is that I, I don't want anybody to feel like that uh, you are compelled to put yourself in a position to where you could become an aggressor, especially if you don't have all the yeah. information. Um, and I think when uh, the uh, uh, I don't know if you what your uh, religious background is. I think you said you were atheist or agnostic. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm agnostic, a practicing atheist, but I have a, a very large background in Christianity. So, so you've heard the uh, the um, oh my gosh, it's it's late. Uh, the the guy on the side of the road. I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, this is terrible. Uh, the Good Samaritan, sorry, the Good Samaritan, where the guy's on the side of the road and he's been beaten, robbers have beaten him, and um, uh, a priest pass, passes by and leaves them be and kind of ignores them, walks to the side. And, um, somebody else passes. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember the story exactly. It's late, so don't don't fault me for not remembering. I know the story. I just. My mind's That's a little foggy right now. You're all right. Uh, it, uh, it, 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 Samaritan comes by, and Samaritan at that time, like the Jews and the Samaritans didn't associate. It would be like um, um, I, I don't know how to put it. I guess like the caste system in India, where you know the higher class would associate with the lower class. They wouldn't have anything to do with them. And the, the Samaritan comes along, this guy, and, and takes him to an inn and pays the innkeeper assistance. You know, uh, let him stay here as long as he can. Here's, you know, some money. I'll pay you more when, when I come back and check on him and nurse him back to health and so on and so forth. And in that case, like, you know, the, the story is supposed to teach us that, you know, you should help people no matter what, you know. But I, I don't think people understand, like, I don't think that those people aren't, like, they're, they're, they're not merciful by not helping the guy. But at the same point, they don't know all the facts of the situation, why he's laying on the bed, why he's been beat up. And so, yes, they're, they're um, I guess, I don't want to say bad. They're, they're not merciful. They're not, they're not nice people for passing them by. And so they shouldn't be looked on as, as, as good people, you know. They, but at the same point, you know, there, there's... Um, I guess reasoning, you know, and their reasoning might have been, oh, I'm not going to get down there in the dirt and up and pull this guy up. But I think that there's a, a little um, uh, point there that they didn't want to get involved with something they weren't involved in. So, uh, yeah, no compassion. Anyways, they had no compassion. So, um, as much as it, you know, the story is supposed to illustrate that we should help our fellow man. Um, I, I don't. It, it. We need to highlight the good of the Samaritan that helped the guy, and not necessarily highlight the bad of the people that didn't. They weren't not bad people. They just want to get involved. Yeah, and if if you yeah. don't have all the facts, you know, like like we've said a dozen times, you risk putting yourself in a situation where you become a nap violator, and you know that's not that's not what you want to do. Um, so Brandon says, and I want to make sure just again, I'm going to just go through this really quick just to make sure it's, it's clear. Cause he asked the question 
Same example, if uh, two six foot five guys are attacking a five foot three woman, or a, I think it meant you violating the nap by helping. If so, we're going to work with a hypothetical here, and I'll go through this real quick. You know, let's say you carry I, uh, with uh, on a daily, which I think you know is typically a good thing. You conceal. Um, so let's say you uh, try to defuse the situation. Uh, they just keep assailing her. You don't have all the facts. You have to accept this. And then you have to, as an as a, as a independent person with the capability to reason and logic through situations, you have to decide, am I going to use whatever use of force I deem is necessary uh, to get these, uh, these guys from stopping to attack her? Because for, for all you know, before you rounded that corner, she could have just held them up at gunpoint trying to take all their stuff. And now they're assailing her in, in, to defend their nap. So... Uh, if they were in the wrong, like if they were just mugging this woman, no, you wouldn't be violating the nap by helping her. You would be defending her nap. If, uh, yeah. if, if it turns out that she was assailing them and then you shot them or, uh, you know, and this is one of the places where I will pose a situation where you could say it's perhaps not a nap violation because you're minimizing the aggression that's going on and in, but you're still interjecting yourself as a third party. So it's up in the air. But if you just diffuse the situation, let's say you pulled your firearm and you said, okay, you guys get off of each other. Stop. Like we're going to figure out what's going on here. And then we're going to take care of this. Right. Um, so, you know, at that point, you know, you would have more of a case that, you know, you took the most reasonable stance in, in given the situation because you didn't have all the facts and, you know, yeah. That so that's just another way of approaching the same situation. But yeah, the Good Samaritan, it's biblical, Dan. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, that was clarified because it was asked directly. So um, it's a very important thing, though. I'm glad there's a lot of conversation about the nap here. Seems like there's a little bit yeah. of, of disagreement and agreement both ways, but um, I, I think think the nap is is pretty clear. Um, so it's a. Uh, you know, this is one of the places too where I think I disagree with a lot of, of a lot of people. Is that a lot of people, especially in the ANCAP community, which c can confuse me sometimes, talk about you know like, well, the only way we're going to have an ANCAP society is if we start you know a civil war and a revolution or something. And um, you know, just the first thing that comes into my head is all the people whose naps would be indirectly violated or directly and indirectly violated by a war like that. So um, yeah. the nap's something that's really important to me, and I try to. I try to keep it keep as consistent and, and following it as much as as much as possible. So uh, I'm glad that there's a lot of conversation about it, though. Uh, I don't think uh, in Kapistan is going to um, uh, be the result of a violent revolution. That's not my opinion. I think uh, I think it'll be technology. I think technology. Um, Eventually, we'll come to a point where government is rendered completely useless. That's a possibility for sure. Um, we talked about that the first time we streamed. Uh, Sean was on here, and we were talking about automation and artificial intelligence, and you know, just the future of uh, of of the economy, the government's role in supervising people's lives, and how um, you know a lot of it can be a, a, all these things that people want that the government provides can be applied in a market society for a lot of place times theoretically speaking at a cheaper rate so yeah so uh there's a a good uh, um 
Spooner quote that I, I just happened to look over at my uh, my other window with the Spooner quote, and uh, it, it's, it's a good one. So I'm going to read this one if you don't mind. This is again. It's, this is this is from uh, Spooner's book, uh, No Trees. It, I don't know if it's a book or if it's a treatise or what it is. Anyway, essay. No trees. Essay. Yeah, it could be uh, a long essay. So uh, it goes: uh, A man's natural rights are his own against the whole world, and any infringement of them is equally a crime, whether committed by one man or millions, whether committed by one man calling himself a robber or by millions calling themselves a government. Natural rights is uh, one, one of the big talking points, especially inside of the uh, the ANCAP and, and libertarian circles. Um, I It's something that I've had to wrestle with, personally, as a, you know, as a, a agnostic practicing atheist is just to be as specific as possible but um i think i've, I've come to the point in in my philosophical journey to where I, I like to come back to the the what is deemed as the state of nature which is also a highly debated term in people so um i personally uh have have difficulties with uh the the concept that we were ordained rights from from a higher power which if you believe that I don't think is an issue in any sense of the form. It's just another way of reaching the same position. But I do think that there, there is a uh, there there are fundamental characteristics about being a human being, which I would call the state of nature, uh, that mm-hmm. is that is carries the same weight and I think importance too. It's it's how we reach uh, what you could consider our uh, our designed, if you want to use that word, uh, our destination. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my thing is, you know, a lot of these, um, uh, I guess, red staters, these uh, uh, Christian conservatives, and I see the thing is, is I think they call themselves Christians, and I don't see them as Christian. I mean, um, there was a, I actually saw, um, I'm on uh, an Arco-Christian group, and uh, there was a uh, post on there that said, uh, the more I read scripture, uh, the less I have faith in modern Christianity. I think that's very true. Um, but uh, a lot of these people, you know, they don't, um, they don't even, you know, they have no clue, um, what, you know, real Christianity is supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. They say they do and they, they pontificate about it, but they, they don't. And, you know, in a conversation where they would, they would talk to an atheist, like they would hear you say what you said and they would say, oh, this it's completely wrong just because he's an atheist. He's completely wrong. I'm, I'm going to, you know, write him off and, and, and everything else and, you know, not have a conversation. But, you know, um, even though, you know, we might disagree on where our rights originate from, the fact that they are natural and that we have them as a consequence of being human, we can agree on. And that's, um, you know, quick plug to uh, uh, Myers Osterday 2020. But if, I don't want to put words in Brandon's mouth, but I believe he is of the same uh, philosophical point you are, that he says, um, doesn't believe, I don't think he believes in, uh, in God or as deity at all. I'm pretty sure, don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he's an atheist too. But, like, I don't, I know plenty of atheists that are wonderful people, uh, speaking of one right now. Um, <laughs> well, thank you. So, um, I don't, like, when I see people get so bent out of shape because someone has a different um, 
I guess, religious viewpoint, philosophical viewpoint. You know, we can make fun of socialists and stuff because they're communists, because they're idiots, because they don't see the forest for the trees. But just because we disagree doesn't mean we can't get along on the points we do agree. Yeah, I mean, I I just want to say real quick, I, I think it's... We kind of talked about. I kind of talked about this earlier when I was going through the whole Fifty Shades of Libertarianism thing. As long as we have the same end goal, and we just may have a different way of reasoning out how we get there, we can have a debate about that. That's fine. But what's important is that we can say like we're we're going towards the same point. You know, it, we can we could say whether we want to take a train or a car or fly to get there, but we're all going to the same place. You know, when it comes yeah. down to it. Yeah. Um. So Skyler's kind of taken over the chat here, but uh, I appreciate his questions and he's got another yeah, nap one. And I think we caught, we talked quite a bit about the nap. So unless you guys want to keep going, supply questions, we can keep going with it. But, uh, absolutely. He, he said, um, he says here, if I'm having a medical issue and society lets me die, is that a nap violation? I would just ask you if all of the people who don't have health insurance or can't pay for, you know, their things that, that die right now are you violating their nap by not helping them um that 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 would be my first question and if you do believe that they're you're violating their nap that's it's that is that is quite the claim because you know the nap is specifically about aggression and apathy is not aggression uh it makes you if, if especially if i knew some of the person and i just watched them wither away and had the means to help them uh, you know, you could by all means call me a, a heartless bastard for doing so, but I, you couldn't, you couldn't claim within the framework of the nap that that I violated their their nap. Um, I just didn't, as an individual, deem their their life threatening issue to be worth my resources, which again makes you a huge dick, but isn't isn't a nap <laughs> violation. And I think that goes back to the uh, uh, Good Samaritan analogy I was given that those the people that pack them by aren't necessarily bad people. They just don't want to be involved. Uh, you know, it, it, it's not it's not not my purview to take care of someone else. Um, and that's I, I I made a meme about that, and it's a I think it's got Will Smith, and he's making a face like what, and uh, it says. Uh, my face when uh, someone tells me uh, forcibly taking my property to pay for someone's health care is compassion. Yeah. So, how is it, even if you're saving someone's life, if you take from me to do it, it's not compassionate. Yeah, there, there has to be some, some kind of volunteerism for there to be compassion involved in it, you know? If you're compelled to do it, you're you're doing it because you were told to, not because you thought it was the right thing to do. Uh, I completely agree with that. Uh, the right to life, though. So the right to life in this case would be that you have the right for no one else to take your life away from you. Right. Or, or to like, you know, we could say you could you could argue that that slavery is both a, a life and liberty violation. But if it, the, the right to life, it, it pretty much is specifically addressing someone, you know, killing you in some form or fashion or basically putting you on the chopping block. Um, it, it, no one is compelled to keep you living as long as possible. Um, they're just they can't keep you. They can't make you live less than you should, you know, by natural means. That's that's the distinction there. Uh, and if someone feels forced to, I mean, if you feel socially obligated to help someone 
that's not a nap violation either. That just means you succumb to peer pressure. Um, and that's what you were talking earlier. I think when I first hopped on about, uh, um, I guess out like, uh, free will, like the idea of free will, like, do we really have free will if dad men convince us to, um, if dad convinces us to give to a charity or we, or is it our free will to give to that charity? If he, if he, you know, speaks in such a way that we are, we change our mind on whether or not we want to get to it. I, I would argue that if, if um, you know, we listen to the merits of what he has to say and we decide, well, hey, I deem this, deem this a worthy charity, then that's completely within my free will. But if he says, you know, you should give this charity, and I think, well, uh, people will think I'm a good person because I do. I, I, I give this. I don't. I don't. I don't know if that's free will. Is it? I mean. I mean, you're still voluntarily, you just are seeking a, it's, it's, I would argue that it's not necessarily from compassion. You have an ulterior motive, but you're still, it's still free will that you would do, you did it. So, um, no one's compelling you to. Now, if you held a gun at your head and said, you're going to donate to this charity or I'm going to shoot you, that's not your free will. That's you trying to preserve your right to life and complying with this. Yeah, it's government. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So okay, Amy. Amy has a uh, a pretty good comment about her son having a medical issue, and one of the possible treatments was not by allow, allowed by the FDA in the United States. That is, isn't that a NAP violation? If we left the country to get the treatment. We could have been investigated by CPS, and we returned and have removed another FDA O. Allow the treatment worked before we had to make the decision. Well, it's not okay. I mean, it's not okay that the government would limit people's uh, right to seek treatment. I mean, that's, it, that is a NAP violation. So I guess in Skyler's uh, analogy, like, it would be a NAP violation to prevent someone from receiving care, as, as in Amy's case, but it's not a NAP violation to not provide the care. Yeah, it's the, so the biggest part of that is the we could have been investigated by the CPS, and that inherently includes a, a threat of violence, right? You know, you, you're being mm-hmm. investigated by the CPS. You have you, there's a possibility that they could confiscate your child or give you a fine or whatever. These are all you know things that, that underlying underlying have threats of violence associated with them. So if you if the FDA barred the treatment, that's first off, you know, we already have the you know the liberty case of where your your liberties of being able to voluntarily go through this treatment have been denied. So, but let's just forget that part. Let's say you went over and, and you know, you couldn't do it here and you went to another country, got it done and came back. Um, and then you were investigated by the CPS, you know, that's just a, a double whammy at that point. So your liberty was being violated and then your right to voluntarily seek treatment to prolong your life was being barred by the government. So yeah, that is 100% a NAP violation. Well, Annalisa asks, uh, if the FDA is not approving treatment, where's the aggression? The aggression lies in that if Amy were to go and have her child treated by a doctor who would violate the FDA, then there would probably be consequences for that doctor and Amy, and that's where the aggression would come in. Not necessarily that they're being, you know, that the FDA says that they can't seek treatment. The, treat, the, the NAP violation would occur after the treatment was sought. And the consequences that would would uh, the consequences not consequences the aggression that would be put on Amy. The same thing with uh, 
any any other laws that you know we have to abide by, you know, you could say speeding. You know, uh, a speed limit isn't violating the NAP, but me receiving a ticket for going 42 and a 35 is a NAP violation. I was fined for doing something that otherwise wouldn't be, uh, you know, my natural right to travel freely. I'm going to disagree with Annalisa here. She said, but the FDA not approving a treatment is not a NAP violation. So again, this this is, so we're, we're just to elaborate really quickly. The, the fact that the treatment is barred. So let's say you got it done anyways, right? Even though the FDA did not approve it, right? So there's, if, if it's not an FDA approved treatment and there would be some kind of enforcement involved, involved if you did get the treatment done, whether it's against you, the doctor, both, and that underlying has a threat of violence associated with it. And the second that that threat of violence appears, whether it's if you don't pay this fine, we're going to throw you in jail or, or however extreme it is. You, you've officially put yourself in a situation where there's a nap violation. That's why extortion is a nap violation. They may not break your yeah. legs then, but if you don't do it, you're going to have your legs broken, and that's a nap violation. Yeah, absolutely. So that's like, that's like taxes. Like, you know, if you, if you don't pay your taxes, you haven't broken the law until you get caught. Well, that's the same way. It's not a nap violation to have the law. It's a nap violation when they exact whatever consequences necessary that's what a nap violation takes place well i mean so you know annalisa says as a former cps worker outside of california no one would have taken this kid away so let's i mean so even if it's just a fine like like i said earlier you still have if you don't pay the fine you have to go to court and you could get a bigger fine or you could eventually get thrown in jail would be i assume if you just refuse to pay they would either confiscate your property without your 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 uh opinion or or your your consent which, that's a that's a violation or they would throw you in jail that's a violation so th- there's again it may not be an initial aggressive act so I, I will grant you that there's no immediate aggression but there's the underlying threat of it which still constitutes an app violation which yeah. is why someone's saying like if there's a credible threat that someone's going to try to kill you 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 that that's an app violation and you can appropriately again appropriately doesn't mean you can go kill yeah. the person to stop them but you can appropriately respond to that you know yeah. uh so well that, that reminds me uh really quickly i don't mean to change this up but i want to interject real quick because that reminds me of something else that uh, uh, a lot of people use to uh, i guess debunk libertarianism when they say well uh, people shouldn't be allowed to yell fire in a, in a movie theater and my stance on this is that if I yell fire in a movie theater that's not on fire, I would consider that fraud. I mean, do you disagree? Would that be fraud if I if I say if I say the movie theater is on fire and it's not on fire? Um, I guess that that kind of goes in the same claim as like making a baseless threat, right? Like you're doing it to cause you know, uh, disconcern in someone. But if there's, if you're not presenting like, Oh guys, I'm about to make a joke. No one get upset. You know, you don't preface it with some kind of like, there's no actual threat here. You're putting the people in a position to where they believe that their life is threatened. So yeah, I think uh, exactly. Yeah. I just kind of had to mull through that for a second. Cause I've never thought about that one. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry. Skyler, essentially, essentially we chose, uh, he said, essentially you chose my death. He's on. I guess he's still on the. Uh, if we don't help someone, 
in a medical situation, we're choosing death for them. I don't, I don't see that at all. Like I don't. If your condition was not brought about by me, I'm not choosing anything for you. It was already chosen. My yeah. intervention would be the prevention of that. So I'm not mm -hmm. altering the situation in any way, shape, or form by being a non-player. Um, if now, if I caused your affliction, if like let's say I don't know, I I force-fed you sugar for ten years and you got diabetes and then you needed insulin and you couldn't get it and you were going to die, then you could say, all right, well you were compelled because you brought this condition upon somebody to uh, you violated their nap by giving them this threat to their life you know you, maybe they need financial compensation is, is the appropriate response to that or whatever you, you know we could go down that crazy train but um there's you unless you are directly responsible for the condition that is afflicting them then you don't have any any compulsion to to prevent what would otherwise just be a natural occurrence as shitty as that is i agree i mean yeah if i could afford to help someone and i don't it makes me a dick but it's not like this it's not like i'm putting them on the the you know i'm not tightening the noose around their neck i'm just watching as nature does it for them you know yeah yeah and annalisa yeah. said it's cold but it's not a nap violation yeah yeah and, and so okay so then skylar said if you stood there with immediate remedy and then you chose death so if again if if i was standing right next to you and i had the cure to your disease in my hand and I just watched you die. I'm a non-player in that interaction. So, yeah, you 100% would be A-OK -okay with using every curse and, and damning phrase you know about me. Because that's just horrible. But, um, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you're keeping it for yourself. If it happens to you one day and you deem yourself preservation over, over the person, the other person in this exchange in this case. So... It's just, you know, we can create these ultimate, you know, theoretical scenarios. But at the same time, if, if you're not directly involved with the affliction, you don't have any compulsion to remedy it. It just makes you a bad person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, isn't, isn't there um, uh, something in the Hippocratic Oath about um, doctors being expected to help, but they're not required to help? Um, isn't there something? Isn't there... I, I don't know the Hippocratic Oath by heart. I don't remember that. Maybe, maybe someone in the comments would know. Maybe Annalisa would know um, to elaborate on that a little bit. But I, I, if I remember right, I don't. I think they're. Um, I know the one thing is the do no harm. So, is that the only? Yeah, she said do no harm. But I, if I remember right, I, I took a I took a couple law classes when I was in college, and they they went over this. But I can't remember exactly. What uh, what the the uh, I guess the the wording is on it, but if I remember right, doctors are not expected. Well, they're, I guess they're expected, but they're not compelled to help people in a situation like if someone's had a heart attack and they, you know, I guess the old airplane thing. If someone's had a heart attack on an airplane, they yell for a doctor. A doctor doesn't have to come forward. Yeah, I mean that that would be the smart way to to phrase it because if you, if you phrase it any other way, you could put it to where a, a doctor would be jeopardizing his Hippocratic oath. If he didn't put himself in a dangerous situation. So the easiest yeah. way to, the easiest way to, to phrase that would be to allow, um, 
people to to assess the situation and then approach it as as necessary you know uh, and I would hope that a doctor would do whatever he can in a situation where he would still remain safe. You know, I hope he would come forward on the plane. But, um, you know, again, if it was worded differently, then you could have, well, the doctor has to run up to the burning car that could be seconds away from exploding. And he shouldn't feel compelled to uphold his Hippocratic oath above preserving his right to life, you know. Yeah, and that's uh, when Skyler says, uh, if you're, if you're, uh, standing with an immediate, immediate remedy to cure the disease. I would like to think if, if I were put into that situation, I wouldn't stand there and watch the person die. Like I wouldn't. That's something you'd have to live with for the rest of your life if you if you have the, the cure. But there again, let's say, let's say for hypothetical sake that Skyler's laying in a hospital bed and he's dying of a disease, which I have the remedy for. And one of my children is laying in a hospital bed next to him, and they have the same disease, and they're going to die. But I only have one remedy. It's not a nat violation to give that remedy to my child instead of him. Yeah. So, um, so, in um, Skylar, I I appreciate your rigorous uh, dissection of the nap, but I just don't I don't want it to sound like. We're just saying the same thing over and over again. So I'll give I'll give this this one another attention because it is a slightly different situation or more reiteration of a previous one. But again, the defense of rights can absolutely become an act of aggression in many ways. This violating the nap. And so I just thought of a situation and we'll go through this real quick of where let's say you're with your family. Right. And someone comes up and, uh, you know. I don't know. Let's make this the most ridiculous situation where you could become an assailant, but still be protecting your nap. He comes up and he says, I'm going to kill you all. And then reaches into his pocket, right? Your first reaction off the top of your head should probably be, Oh my God, he's going to try to kill us. So, cause you get, he's given you no reason to think otherwise. So you sock him in the jaw, knock him out. And you, you were the initiator of force, but there was already an underlying threat there. So if your rights are being violated, there is some sort, if you're right to life, liberty. Yeah, the original quote was life, liberty, and property. Yeah, life, liberty, and property. Yeah, there we go. So that's a much easier case to defend. But property, um, if those three things are being violated, there's already either a, a threat of violence or violence is being perpetrated. So, um, and so again, this goes back to the situation of if a crazy man walks up to you and says, I'm going to kill you and then reaches into his pocket and you blow him away with your fully automatic shotgun. And turns out he just, I don't had an apple in his pocket. He's like, I don't. Um, so first off, it's like he, the, the, the man who threatened you put himself voluntarily in the situation to where he could have his life ended like that. Um, so I will concede that it can be an aggression, but again, I think I've said this like twice, but I just want to make sure it's very clear an act of aggression premeditated or not premeditated, but in a response to a threat that you deem as credible through, you know, rationalization, which we're all capable of as human beings is not a nap violation. Um, you're 100% within your rights to do that as long as it's inappropriate. Now, if a five-year-old comes up to you and says, you're going to kill them all, or he says he's going to kill you. And then, you know, it doesn't do anything to suggest that he's going to kill you just stands there and looks at you. I would, probably say that you exceeded your nap credentials if you if you killed him but you know again this is why we have to be able to rationalize through these things there's a million scenarios billion 
I would say, of indi individual scenarios that you could craft to explain the nap, but there there is a certain rigidity to it. So I agree with you there. All right, well, that's the end of uh, episode two, Conversations with Dan, part two. Uh, lots of fantastic stuff here said. Uh, just to, for some ending notes, obviously I'm not going to rag on myself too hard with the same things I said in the last episode. If you listen to that, it was, uh, you know, a lot, lots of similar things because it was all done in the same recording and ums, whatnots. Uh, a couple of uh, maybe not the most accurate statements made, but, you know, listening back, I, I realize how terrible of an analogy I did at describing this whole nap response force thing. But, you know, nobody's perfect and uh, it'll be something that I think about whenever this conversation comes up in the future. But uh, nonetheless, fantastic conversations had by all. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast distribution platform, whether that be Apple, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, YouTube, whatever that may be. We're available on all of them. Don't forget to give the show a five-star review if you really enjoyed it, or four-star if you think you could use some work. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of me, you can reach me at contact at libertyafterdark.net with any suggestions, or if you want to be a part of the show. Thanks for coming out.